on the Looney Van Gogh protests. We were warned about this in Fahrenheit 451. I happened to be rereading Fahrenheit 451 when news arrived that a pair of protesters from a climate action group called Just Stop Oil hurled tomato soup at Van Gogh's sunflowers at the National Gallery in London. A spokesperson for the group, Mel Carrington, was quoted in the New York Times saying the choice of art was irrelevant, since the only thing important about sunflowers was that it was famous, an iconic painting by an iconic painter. On the other hand, the choice of Heinz cream of tomato was more symbolic because some can't afford to heat up a tin of soup. These protests are crazy and at least a little bit scary. Maybe more than a little. The Van Gogh stunt is part of a wider campaign involving activists gluing themselves to works like Massacre of the Innocents by Rubens, Botticelli's Primavera, and the Vatican sculpture of Leacon and his sons. The actions are backed by California's Climate Emergency Fund, whose founding donor is Aileen Green, granddaughter of Jay Paul. Insofar as these actions have a point, it's to ask, why are people more concerned about the protection of a painting than the protection of our planet and people? Sunflowers was covered by a glaze designed to protect paintings from cracks, wrinkles, and sunlight. The group claimed it knew this. Much has been made, including in the oddly approving times piece, of sunflowers being unharmed, except for minor damage to the frame. Fahrenheit 451, much like 1984, We and Brave New World, was a warning about a future in which basic human instincts for love, kindness, and decency are obliterated by utopian politics. Written variously in response to mass movements like Nazism, Stalinism, and the Red Scare, the dystopian novels all contain the same themes one of which is a future where people aren't merely indifferent to art, but hate and fear it. To the point of taking pride in destroying it, and liquidating its admirers. Another theme is indoctrinating the very young, and still another is the ritualized assault on familial or sexual love, with the craving for connection replaced by substitute families supplied by the state. In Fahrenheit 451, this comes in the form of the parlor wall a giant, endlessly yammering television found in all homes. The main character, a fireman named Montag, in the future, buildings are made with fireproof material. Firemen exist only to burn things like books and the houses full of people containing them. And few remember there ever were firemen who put out fires, begins to have attacks of conscience about book burning. He is opposed by his anxious wife, Mildred, who worries her husband's unorthodoxy might lose her the good favor of her parlor aunts and uncles. It's a bullseye prediction of Twitter and TikTok, even more accurate than the telescreens of 1984. Although the latter book nailed another part of the story in Orwell's descriptions of youth activist groups like the Spies and the Junior Anti-Sex League that forever garnered mainstream press plaudits for defiant acts. Hardly a week passed in which the Times did not carry a paragraph describing how some child hero denounced his parents to the thought police, as how Orwell put it. Another phenomenon Bradbury predicted was that the future would be a place where attention spans would be systematically dismantled in favor of ever shorter synopses and condensed versions of things, where everything boils down to the gag, the snap ending. Even Hamlet is reduced to a one-page digest. The dissidents are people who work to preserve the human capacity for recall and learning, committing books to memory as a way to retain civilization in case the chance ever arrives to rebuild humanity. Montag memorizes Ecclesiastes, which in a way is another great prediction 
since the poetry of religious literature has been among the first genres to more or less completely disappear in recent times, as post-Nietzsche generations tossed it along with belief. Defenders of the Just Stop Oil stunt point out it got people discussing climate change more effectively than any action in memory, stimulating conversation when even the self-immolation of 50-year-old climate activist Wynne Bruce hadn't. It's nuts to think there are really people who believe throwing soup at great art will win converts to any cause. But what's worse is, they might be right in the current environment. However, even arguing the point assumes there's really an idealistic impulse in these protests. A dubious proposition, at best. I don't buy the idea that thought was put into what to throw at a Van Gogh, and not where to throw it. It's just too much of a coincidence that campaigns of kids dumping on Botticelli and Van Gogh are taking place in the middle of a years-long war on art, literature, music, humor, and even math and science, when there are movements to obliterate entire fields like classics, and professors are fired for... Thanks for listening to the free version of this article. To hear the full version, and for more articles and content, please subscribe at taibi.substack.com.